Welcome back, Level Up and Live community, to another inspiring episode of the Level Up and Live podcast. I'm your host, Sean Myers, joined by my co-host, Ewan Heidemeyer. And today, we have an extraordinary guest who brings a unique perspective to our show. Joining us is a entrepreneur and commander, Eric Tung, a seasoned police officer with an impressive 16-year career in Washington State, currently overseeing patrol operations and leading his department's wellness and peer support programs. Eric is not only dedicated to law enforcement, but also passionate about bridging the gap between police and the community. He's the mind behind at Blue Grit Wellness on Instagram, bluegritwellness.com, and the Blue Grit Radio Podcast, where he shares insights on wellness, leadership, and fostering personal and team growth. Get ready for an enlightening conversation with Commander Eric Tung. It's going to be such a cool episode. Uh, I'm excited for everyone to hear it. You know, when I first heard Eric Young was going to be coming on and I looked and it was a police officer and I said, Commander, I was like, well, did we line up the right person for the show? And I looked into him for two two seconds. And I was like, no, this is definitely the right guy for the show because he's not, I, I say not just a commander in the police force, but because that's a huge thing, but he is doing that full time. He's worked his way up and is, is a great leader there. But he's also got his own business, entrepreneur. Uh, he has a website. It's uh, Blue Grit Wellness, and and everything that he believes lines up with what we believe as well. So it's just the perfect fit. Um, he's a coach. Uh, he's got people that he uh, mentors. Uh, everything that we discuss uh, on this show is everything that he brings to the table. And so we're just really excited to hear from this perspective. I mean, this is to me. I feel like it's gotten very. This is serious stuff, man. Because you're dealing with. Uh, people who are putting their lives on the line. It's not just theory and, you know, they're not just trying to make a business to make some money. Like this is um, so much more than that. So I can't wait to, to hear how you help that mindset. So yeah, and saying all that, Eric, I mean, there's so much we could say and feel free to throw in there anything I missed, man. No, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. You know, it, it is exciting to be at this point where I'm running a podcast and then connecting with, you know, like-minded individuals from across the nation or, you know, into Canada, across the world, right? And so it really, this is not what I expected it to be, you know, when I went quote-unquote public with social media, which you don't see a ton of, and as far as law enforcement for for very, uh, very valid reasons. Uh, but yeah, it's been awesome. And, you know, everything that I try to put out is, you know, in the direction of being positive and collaborative, which is 100% what you gentlemen are all into. So I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. So man, over the last 16 years, I'm kind of curious. So you've been doing this, been in the police force, and you've been a leader within your industry. What, uh, as far as a leadership standpoint, was there like a pivotal moment during that time getting into the force where you're like, man, I'm a good leader. I'm, a, I'm not a great leader or I'm a horrible leader. Did you ever have that moment where you had that aha moment? Because I know I did. Yeah, I, I don't know if there was one aha moment. You know, in a lot of ways, I think that whatever assignment I went for or I took to include, you know, the two promotions that I've had as far as rank, like the legitimate, you know, kind of, I guess, traditional promotions, um, it was really just trying to chase the need and trying to fill the void. And I know that might sound cheesy, but, it, you know, when I look back at my my career or my entire life, it is a lot of wondering like, okay, am I good enough or am I the right person? Um, and then really just slowly acquiring, I suppose, that confidence and combating and destroying some of that imposter syndrome that we can all deal with in so many ways, you know, it's just recognizing like, hey, I'm me. And I suppose the, you know, the older I get now being in my late thirties, then I'm more 
unapologetically me, recognizing that, hey, if I lean into my strengths and then just recognize that I'm doing the right things and hitting up the right people to be aware of my blind spots, then I can keep moving forward. But, I, you know, to kind of go back and answer your question, I suppose there are definitely points of doubt, especially when I didn't see myself aligning the same ways of a lot of traditional police leaders as far as who I had as bosses or just what you generally see or who you generally see either promoted or writing in the space, the things that I do now. And Eric, you said something there, but you, you hit people up on for your blind spots. Like that's that's very uh, aware of yourself. You know, all you can be aware of is that you have blind spots. Like if you, a lot of people don't know they have that part. They got to get to that part. And then what do you do with that? But you, you're saying you, you go to people, what does that look like? Because that's a really cool, that's a big thing people need to look into. If you're going to level up and, or, or, and do anything with yourself, you kind of have to know that that's there. Like what do you, how, how does that been for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I'd always been a pretty introspective uh, individual. You know, I, was, uh, I grew up as a pretty shy kid. And so, you know, I think that a lot of introverts are, are decently self-aware, right? And they're kind of in their thoughts and they process things a, a certain way. Uh, for me, you know, recognizing blind spots, you know, came from a point when I wasn't recognizing blind spots, right? Which is, a, this is the whole, I think the whole beautiful part of mentorship and coaching is that, hey, I am going to for what it's worth, like impart what quote unquote wisdom I can, you know, hopefully you don't learn from your own mistakes, you learn from mine. And then that way you can level up at a way faster rate, right? Um, so part of that came from, uh, I suppose, one example that sticks out to me is the poor, uh, the poor adaptation I had to a lot of stress and a lot of trauma that we are exposed to in first responder work, mm. uh, which is a lot of what I put out in, in hopes that people that aren't first responders can glean from that because we kind of drink from the fire hose, you know, from that, uh, as far as like that adage, as far as life experience, not to say we know better, but we just see a lot of it. We see people at their best. We see people at their worst all the time. But yeah, that was wearing on me so much that I became super cynical, really salty, really callous. And really my outlook on the human condition became really poor in my early twenties, which is exactly the opposite of why I entered police work, you know, after finishing college, um, up in the Seattle areas, which I, where I am now, I really wanted to get in for the same idealistic reasons that most people do, which is, you know, you want to be boots on the ground, you want to have your hand in things and really help people in the day to day and slowly, surely kind of improve, you know, the human experience for a lot of people in really, really bad times of need. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just flipped this because of all the toxicity, you know, that you inter encounter all the negativity you encounter by virtue of just wearing the uniform. Uh, but it really took my friends calling me out. And I wasn't even receptive to it at first. I was like, you don't even know what you're talking about, man. Like, I, you don't see the world I see, right? Like I was working graveyard, you know, you're, you're interacting with so many drug afflicted people and you're, you know, catching the finger. And these are all the things even before the last few years, right? This is early in my career. Um, and it's only gotten more, I suppose, polarized or more negative at times in certain places. But um, all to say that, you know, it took that kind of that love and that care for the direct feedback, the kindness to say, and I say kindness, not being nice, right? That kindness to say, hey, man, like you're being a, you know, fill in the blank expletive. Mm. Like this is not you. And it really took me marinating on it before I was like, okay, like tell me more, right? And this is one of the things I put out to all my guys when we have that conversation, just to say like, hey, you will encounter higher and lower points in your career. So goes life. And you need to accept those inputs, right? You need to accept that feedback from those that love you most. And in order to do that, you need to keep them close. And you also need to invite it, like possibly beforehand, right? And you preemptively say, hey, 
I want you to keep me accountable. And by doing that, you're preemptively, proactively taking ownership as well. How did you do that? Because it took time for you to get into that cynical state, right? So that's a way of thinking and to just hop out of it. You know, it's, it takes more than that. Like what, what steps did you take to get back into the, that positive, that, that original mindset? Because that's, that's, that's a lot of work that needs to be done to, to do that. How long did it take to? Yeah, that's tough. Uh, that's tough to answer. I guess the short answer would be there wasn't like this regimented program, you yeah. know, as far as like, oh man, here's what I need to get right. Uh, but it was all the little things that I was aware of and that I think most individuals could be aware of. But then recognizing, um, looking back, you know, with the, you know, hindsight being 2020, where are my routines and where is my mindset not setting me up for success? So routines could be anything like concrete as far as sleep. It could be nutrition, right? All these things that interplay so significantly, um, which I've, you know, done the gamut in my law enforcement career, right? Uh, you know, I wasn't a super fit guy growing up. I wasn't a super fit guy in college. Like I like to lift weights and go to the gym as like social hour, but really by virtue of needing to be a certain, um, a certain, I guess, level of performance, you know, working canine and the things I wanted to do, um, I really had to dive in and experiment and learn, um, and be a student to that. But all the way of saying that when I look back, whenever I had those low points, especially the one I just told you about, my lifestyle practices weren't aligning correctly to support like a positive mindset, right? Wow. I was around really negative people at work, which I could say like, you know, one of them was fired, right? So that says something. Um, but also, it was just a more old school kind of, you know, us versus them mentality, which I I try all, you know, with all my might to abandon that, right? Because we need to empathize, we need to connect not just with the the folks outside, you know, in the community, but like with our own in the building, which oftentimes a, a lot of police, even fire agencies, like they'll, they'll relay how toxic and, you know, kind of high school certain cliques can be. Uh, whereas like, we just have to take a step back as cheesy as it might sound, but say, Hey, like we're here for one team, one mission. And it's just to make a safer, like healthier community. Is that not what we're all here for? Mm. Right. And sometimes when you distill that back down, um, but yeah, some of the little fine, fine tuned things were, you know, poor coping mechanisms, right? I'd, I'd get off at one o'clock in the morning, I'd get home by 240, sorry, 140, maybe two o'clock in the morning. And then just to relax, I'd have like a couple beers, uh, one to two beers, early 20s, crush a bowl of cereal and then go to bed. And like, that is not, <laughs> that is not a great bedtime routine. I think that most people can recognize it doesn't sound great. Um, but then it became, yeah, just a thing. Like it was almost every day. Um, and I, I'm fortunate to have to recognize that I've never had any, well, this is objective, but, uh, I never had dependency on alcohol. Um, I, so I don't know what that's like. And those people that fight that fight every single day, but I recognize just on a scale for sure. I just deferred to, Hey, this is taking the edge off. This is helping me relax. Um, whereas now looking back, like there's so many things you could do such as breathing, mindfulness, journaling, mm. uh, you know, just, just zenning out for a little bit, just stretching out, maybe having like, a, you know, a, a mindful, you know, moderate protein, you know, like a little snack if you need something before bed or just not eating before bed, all these things. So, um, so yeah, I know super long winded answer to your question, but no, I love that answer, yeah. man, because everybody deals with that, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's a human, I want to say a human condition. I don't know what that, condition part is but that's what human, that's what humans deal with no matter what they're doing man and, and saying that you know that's a slippery slope taking the edge off with alcohol it's a very slippery slope because it's not the same amount 
to get that edge off, you have to end up drinking more. Mm-hmm. And you and you say so you never had to, you never had a dependency on it, but a lot of people do. And and the thought of replacing that, uh, I know, it's very difficult for a lot of people. Uh, but the, if they could understand what the tangible outcome of changing the habits there, I mean, you said another one too: hanging around negative people, not sleeping well, and and diet uh, being off. Man, that is a, a storm. That you know, I've, I've done I've done that too, man. I know Sean has as well. So it's like you know what's on the other side if you flip it around. Yeah, the, the negative people, the negative people that have been in your life, Eric, over over the years, have you had to have a conversation with them? in your environment, in the people that you work with, or maybe if it's your family or friends, have you had to have a conversation with them or did they weed themselves out because of the person you've become the better version of yourself? Yeah, it's uh, it's both. And there's examples where, you know, I think that the positivity is annoying to people that want to be negative and, th- and that's good. Right. Yeah. And so I can think of some people that they are the type of people where they walk in a room and they just suck the life out of it, right? And even if people are generally positive, you know, maybe they're kind of sitting at net neutral, it is so infectious, right? Where they walk in, they say some things, it's super fear-mongering, it's super negative, and everyone's just like, WTF, right? And whether or not they recognize it, like their their spirit's lower, they're drained, right? And they're just catabolic energy, these, yeah. these folks. Um, maybe by virtue of my position, maybe by virtue of the things I try to do at work, some of these people have found their way to just kind of like, you know, nag and, and you know, um, I want to, you know, the B word and moan, right? So, and I found that, you know, rather than disputing someone else's narrative, I, I tend to be the one that, you know, I still, I still want to have hope, right? So I still want to validate and see them as a person. Um, so after so, so many times and iterations, you know, there's one individual that would do those kind of ranting chats and I would just kind of like hear him out and I'd be like, yeah, man, that sucks. So this is what I try to do. And I think that in hindsight, he just didn't get that, you know, he didn't get that rise out of me. He wasn't able to feed off of it. Yep. So he just like, man, like, why do you always talk about work? We should just, we should talk about families next time we talk. And he kind of storms off, like literally with that, like kind of mm. pent up energy. I was like, okay, like, cool. Like that kind of deflected um, that. I know that there's some people that feel like they need to get head on. Uh, but at the same time, like it, I, I would totally encourage people to have boundaries and find what's right for them. Because if you're going to f- have those fruitless conversations over and over, um, there have been times where I'm just like, Hey man, like, what are we exactly talking about? And please like not to cut you off, but recognize that what you're talking about is not, not in my sphere of influence or my locus of control. But if you want to vent, like I'm here for it. And, and generally people feel unproductive so that they just, they kind of end it or we talk about something else. <laughs> and you know, it's, you're really highlighting what they're doing. I, I don't think a lot of people know they're being negative. They just have this, whatever that negative thing is going on inside them, they see a chance to get it out and they use, they, you know, uh, they don't use, but it's another human being to to just get that frustration out. And yeah, man, and I hear what you're saying there is like, really, they're not getting that rise, that confirmation that, yeah, life is bad. You know, they just want that consoling. They hang around with you long enough they will end up having to either not be around you or shift into your yes. vibration of positivity. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the great flip side. I'm glad you recognize that because we can easily think about how, how that toxic energy is so cancerous, right? Yep. But we don't recognize how, how positivity is infectious too. And oftentimes I think it's less so until I really think about people that do it right. They do it well, right? Whether it's a celebrity or just, you know, like a thought leader that you really admire, like, no, no, no. Like they, they can say something and then brighten up the room, right? They can, they can say something and it comes across your social media feed and you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's right. Like focus on that, like quote of the day kind of stuff, right? So 
inspiration is there. You just have to be intentional and find it. And I think that that's a, that's a key thing as far as framing and mindset. Like those things are so, so critical. Yeah. You know, so in the, the word grit is in your, 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 on your wellness side. Like I, I'd love for you to, to, I, I love that word. I know Sean loved that word. Like we, grit is, is your friend. It doesn't feel good at the time, but it, it's your long mm. loving friend that can take you places. You know, what, what is that? To, you know, what made you put that in there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, grit is, you know, in the sense of Angela Duckworth's book, right? So, you know, a lot of folks like myself included, when you think grit, you just think about tough, right? You think about sandpaper and like, like true grit, the old, the Western movies, right? And I, not a lot Westerns. I like this. I love the storytelling, but it is a play on that, right? Blue grit, right? With true grit, but then ultimately grit being more about overcoming adversity, right? Just not having quit. Um, because, you know, no matter our talents, no matter what we are designed here to do, we can accept or we can deny, you know, the aspect of quitting. And so I love that. Like, I look back and I kind of explain this a little bit, right? I wasn't a very confident kid. And, you know, I, you could even argue that through into my adulthood, just trying to find my sense of self and like what my purpose is and how I put my energy out in the world. Whereas now, like, it's it's still a work in progress. I'll be honest, like, it's it's continual, especially as I try new things like podcasting and social media to new levels and I'm writing about things I wasn't commonly writing about and being vulnerable in new ways like that's that's hard right that's uncomfortable but it is that not just uh being comfortable with the uncomfortable but also I like to flip it now where I'm like okay we should be uncomfortable with our comfort level right like if you're just sitting a little too comfortable for a while you're like no I don't like that you, we should feel antsy and want to grow and keep keep driving on so that's where blue grit comes from you know blue being you know associated with law enforcement and essentially like blue grit wellness is where I started initially with social media, just trying to be positive, right? Trying to focus in on things that I've learned specifically through like the health sphere. And that's super broad, right? But it started more with like fitness, nutrition, just trying to put out content, trying to be a positive resource, a free resource, and then also peer support, like peer support and mental health awareness is so such a passion of mine. I've been involved with peer support in my industry for many years and then taken up more of a leadership role in the last six or so years. So just really to drive that point home. And yeah, not just for first responders. I mean, it's a thing for men, like, and that's, it's a thing for everyone, but men, like the uh, statistics are so much more harrowing Mm -hmm. as far as our reluctance to talk to each other. Um, So yeah, just to keep beating that drum until, as I like to say, until it's redundant. Like I, I will, I will shoot for redundancy because that means finally everyone will get it and they'll kind of roll their eyes like, yeah, I get it. Peer support. Talk to somebody. Yeah. I do that. Awesome. Mission accomplished, right? So right now, Eric, you're, you're leading in, um, and in you've done some innovations as far as like recruiting, hiring, training, community engagement, silver, uh, civil, you know, disturbance and field training programs. Can you talk on that a little bit on what that looks like and what that entails? Yeah, absolutely. So those are some of the different roles I've I've carried and some of the things I still have a little bit inter- interaction with. I'm, I'm I mean, I'm passionate about every aspect of law enforcement that I've been a part of, but some of that was changing hats. So pretty early in my career I became a field training officer, which is exactly what you, you know, see in the movies and all that. It's just the the officer riding shotgun just telling the rookie like what's going on. So that was pretty early on and then I got involved with our civil disturbance, so kind of our riot control team which you know, is is something that you train for a little bit and you don't typically get deployed to anything exciting except for the last several years, right? We we had crazy violent May Day riots in uh, in Seattle with 
literal dumpster fires, like people lighting dumpsters on fire and like rolling down the alleys. And um, so, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. And then 2020, of course. Um, so being deployed in that for the initial riots, uh, it's just it's just so jarring, right? It's just super saddening to see uh, that level of hate and anger and violence. Um, but then, yeah, I you know kind of zigzagging around. I worked a canine um, that was super rewarding, super frustrating. Uh, but again, you know, so many so many lessons learned. Had some close calls there for sure. My dog uh, got stabbed. We were in a shooting, almost blown up. Like all these things that I've talked about in different podcasts. And not to not to deviate because it's you know there's quite some stories, but I'm happy to talk about whatever is helpful for your audience. Um, and then promoting, uh, promoting to sergeant as a first line leader and supervisor, and really recognizing like how what it's like to be accountable to a team, right? And that's looking out for your officers' wellness, like rec- recognizing their stress levels, um, not just the hard skills, but also hey, how can you help them just be better people, better family members, better. Cause it's all intertwined. Right. And I like to, I like to focus in on the fact like we're, we're in the people business, law enforcement and first responder work. If we take care of our people, then they'll take care of others. Like that's the job. That's 100% the job. So when the old school traditional leadership's just like, Hey, you're a cog in the wheel, just do your job. Like, yeah. no, no, you got to take care of the person to have them do the job so they don't burn out. And that's super translatable to like every industry, right? Like I, all my college buddies are doing everything, you know, from like accounting to real estate. And I know that like you, you guys understand those worlds too, but like burnout is a thing affecting everyone. Like we're just moving faster and faster. And yeah. who's really, I mean, you guys are entrepreneurs. Like, are you ever off work? You know, is your phone yeah. ever not like blowing yeah. up? Right. So like recognizing that as the world picks up faster, we may or may not control that we can, you know, create boundaries, but that's exactly that. Like what, what we can control is factors that help our resilience, right? Factors that help our health. And um, I think we can all recognize that like at times that we were like thriving in life is when we were taking care of those things. And the times that one of those or one or two of those, you know, kind of spokes of the wheel dip, whether it's sleep or whether it's working out or whether it's, you know, having relationships with our buddies um, or our families, then that's where things kind of got out of whack and we had to refocus in on that. Mm. Yeah, talking about that resiliency, it, it, and you, and you, you listen to a number of things there. You think all that combined builds that resiliency, or is there is there any one specific thing that you you hone in on for that resilience that really helps you? Yeah, I think that they're all combined. And you know, I went to a resiliency training a number of years ago, and I was already I was already super curious and loved you know consuming podcasts and reading articles and everything that I can for all things health. You know, whatever that means, which is such a wide thing, right? Um, but someone actually asked in the class, like, hey, can you learn resiliency? Can you build resiliency? And the instructor actually said, I don't know, that's a good question. And then even in the moment, I was like, huh, that is a good question. But literally, it's one of those things I'm on the drive home. I'm like, well, absolutely, you know, absolutely you can. You know, like I I saw myself as a pretty fragile, shy kid, right? Like I lacked confidence. Um, I, you know, I was not self-assured. The things happening in my life. I was like, man, like, am I good enough? Like, I didn't think of it at the time growing up. I just thought, yeah, I'm just a kid and I'm pretty sharp and I work hard, but like, am I really like good enough, especially mm. having uh, a really tumultuous relationship with my dad and, you know, those senses of, you know, fatherhood and now me being a dad. But those are things that I always wanted, but always terrified me growing up. Like I was like, I want to be a dad, but am I going to be man enough or whatever that means? Mm. I don't think it's shocking to realize that there's probably a correlation with doing this like, quote unquote, like tough job of like, 
the perception of a police officer to to prove that to myself at a younger age. But ultimately, I I don't think it's the one thing. I think that your entry point to resilience can be one of the prongs of health, depending on you and your life context, right? So if someone is really involved with their church community, right? Like that spiritual health angle might be like super strong and it might help them have the momentum to build something else into, you know, like a, like a nutrition practice or what have you. Other people that are really performance driven, like myself, it was really easy to recognize the need to work out. And then because I was working out, I was like, man, I need to get my nutrition right so I can get the most out of what I'm doing. So it was out, it was that order. Right. And then sleep came way too late, right? Because in, in your young <laughs> years, you're like, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm like, yeah, you will. And it'll come sooner. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say like, yeah, no, like I, I love the quote that some, some fitness, uh, figures say is essentially like if you're skipping sleep to work out, like if you're already sleep deprived and you're skipping it, then you're stepping over dollars to pick up quarters, right. Or nickels. And it really is that way. And it takes, maybe it takes some, some folks like us who have been around the block a couple times to to tell the young young bucks like hey don't don't quit that you know like don't ignore these things are they're super if not more necessary uh you know to get rest and recovery so i think it depends yeah you've mentioned sleep a couple times now and that's my thing like i i love sleep entrepreneur like but i have my evening routine i have my boundaries like my phone goes on do not disturb mm-hmm. i read a book you know an hour prior so, and we preach that we teach, we try to teach that all the time, especially my coaching clients. Like you got to have the boundaries because a lot of people that I talk to entrepreneurs, business owners, and I know you probably deal with this, you know, seeing it in, in, in your environment is, you know, on the phone, emails, social media, scrolling. So watching TV until it's time to go to bed all hours of the night. So I'm curious with you, you mentioning sleep and the importance of it. Do you have an evening routine? Um, and, and what does your schedule look like? Are you working nights now or you got you know, what's your, what's your structure look like? Yeah. So my, my routine is not ideal. And so, you know, it's constantly work in progress, but I got to the point, you know, why I got so into sleep and researching sleep was because I was failing miserably at it when I was working graveyard. And I did a couple stints through the years on graveyard. One was, you know, working canine, we'd switch back and forth. Um, and then as a, as a supervisor, like a brand new sergeant, I had to go back to nights. And then as a tenured sergeant, I had a crew that was going back to nights uh, because the shifts were changing up. And I said, hey, like, I'm going to go with you guys. It's not going to be that bad. And then I like immediately regretted it because I was like, <laughs> how did I forget? I can't sleep during the day for anything, right? So it was like blackout blinds. I would hydrate through the night and probably over-caffeinate to stay awake. And then, you, you know, you get up two, three times in the morning. And then as soon as daylight hit me, like, I could not go back to sleep. I was the guy. How long did you do that for? Man, so, I mean, I did it for years on and off. Um, so, yeah, the most recent stint was only for five months, luckily, right around there. I worked at the end of the five months because I, I know if, if that was me, I, I'm, I'm, I've never been a great sleeper. I do immense amount of things to just get decent sleep. Like I have the, the chili pad Uller, mm. which cools me down. That yeah. is the biggest game changer for me, you know, blackout um, uh, blinds, temperature, all the things, doing all the right things. And I still get these. But So I think about well, kind of when you're speaking there, it reminded me of, I have a daughter, but my son, he was, my, he was my second child. And I barely remember the first year because it was like up and down, up and down. And it was like a blackout for me. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say that, like that kind of night shift, five months. 
was it how, what were you like at the end of that five months was it hard or were you acclimatized yeah it was awful it was so bad and <laughs> yeah. i was a i was a young dad and i was older right so my body wasn't as resilient but like i said i was never good at sleeper like i have a lot of co- colleagues that you know they can as as long as they get it decently quiet or turn a fan on like they're out they're out for like seven to nine hours and i was like that's never been a thing like i'd always hover around four and a half to six hours and then just be so fatigued. Usually I'd just get up and start pounding coffee so I could get to the gym, right? So, um, you know, borderline like insomnia kind of practices. And then as soon as I hit my days off, I would just switch right back. Like I'd, I'd crash out at 9 p.m. Uh, because I was so tired, right? And so I'd reset Hard. my circadian rhythm where I want, you know, where my body wanted it, yeah. which is very much I wake up with no alarm now, you know, somewhere between you know, four thirty, six in the morning. And that just actually feels pretty good. Cause I go to bed generally between eight 30 and nine 30. Um, and that's kind of where my body sits. However, you know, I now, because I've advanced to like a mid-level management, I oversee a working cruise from early morning day shift till graveyard. And so I'll generally try to do a couple days of the week where I'm in the office, you know, till nine or 11 PM, which of course is not regular, right? So it throws me off. And then I'm generally super hungry and I get home and I have something to eat and I just kind of veg out a little bit to decompress, um, try to read, right? Try to journal, try to do something like that. But sometimes those, those habits are hard, right? So you just kind of want to scroll the phone. And, um, so all to say, yeah, it's a, it's a continual recognition where I recognize I'm sacrificing ideal to be, uh, more, more supportive and more proficient at my job uh, for those days and for those officers, it's not perfect. So it's just recognizing, hey, it's going to create a deficit sometime as long as you're, and for me, it usually, it manifests in me having to catch up, right, the days off or being more intentional on the days on to kind of hack those and curb those. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, it's like anything in life, like we we talk about, I've, I've been 100% strict on my diet before and it doesn't work. I will I will eventually break. I've done different things and I'm like, it's just mm-hmm. too hard, you know? So we talk often about the 80-20 rule or even I try and do 90-10 because uh, that keeps me around about 80-20 because if I do 80-20, I'm normally 70-30. <laughs> but you know, as long as you're, if you're doing the right things for your sleep as best as you can because life is just up and down you know it's gonna be those times where you can't do that with with career or or business or or family and so yeah as long as you have the general principles of getting the the best that you can uh then i think that's that's the best you can do you know what i mean and and you really take advantage of, of those good nights when you can Eric, I'm, I'm curious, man, with you doing the podcast and you, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and, and, and just being courageous, right. And just showing up the way you're showing up. I just love that. And I just admire that about you, man. It's an inspiration to me. Thank you. And I really appreciate you being on here today. I'm curious with you, uh, with your, your leadership role, right. And the impact and the serving that you're doing on these social media outlets with podcast, Instagram, and you've got some followers, you've got some listeners and you're trying to bridge that gap, right. And make a difference, and you're doing that. You're whether it's one person or whether it's thousands. You're 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 taking action, and I'm curious with you, with the individuals that you're speaking to, what is the biggest struggle that you see they're going through, and how are you helping them bridge that gap? That's a great question. You know, if I was to go across the board, I interact with a lot of, you know, I I thought that it was going to be so many younger officers and people coming in you know, to the job, especially when I was doing a lot of recruiting related content and like, hey, be the change. And hey, like, you don't have to have, you know, archetypical, you know, uh, background like that you see in the movies. Actually, we just want you to be a person that works hard, right? Someone with a big heart, 
empathetic and if you can rise to challenge, like that's what the job is, right? You just problem solving. Um, I think that the biggest thing is just recognizing like your own limitations. And so, you know, even when I said, Hey, I thought a lot of people would be younger individuals trying to come in. I've recognizing a lot of people that are mid career, similar to me, like they're looking for that continued encouragement because we do go through these ebbs and flows of, um, you know, kind of low morale, these things. And to be mid-career is kind of the toughest spot right now because in the last few years, so many people left law enforcement. Some of my best friends, they went to be firefighters. They left the state to be law enforcement somewhere else. Washington State, you know, it's, it was a bit more restrictive and challenging in the last few years with legislation and this and that, or people just, you know, completely just quit, right? And so no judgment. I say that so many times, like, thank you for your service, whether you did three or 30 years, but for those that are still here, like we need to stay positive. Like nothing else is going to work, right? Nothing else other than recognizing your purpose, like on the daily. And so to recognize and help people remember their purpose, uh, why they got into this job and the topics we talk about, wellness, culture, leadership, leadership at all levels, right? Ownership. Uh, that's been really rewarding to hear from those people that are tenured officers or firefighters or, you know, military personnel that have left that behind and they're trying to serve in a new capacity to reach out, you know, the DMs, like super validating. Um, it, it seems like they, you know, you get these like little anecdotes um, whenever you're like, man, like I'm spending a lot of time on this. Like, is it really worth it? Do, do you need like one more voice? Um, but I'm reminded by so many people that are supportive and people in my, my industry, like, Hey, like you are an individual and for some people, like they're not going to be into Eric Dung. Right. And then others, like I'm going to resonate with someone. And so, uh, just to be able to be that uh, is super rewarding. But yeah, just to help people recognize their own limitations and try to have them help realize how they can combat these these limitations we put on ourselves, for sure. And you said it, you know, other people left. And of course, like you said, no judgment at all, because everybody's got their own path. But a lot of people left the States, like you said, or they went to go do something different. You jumped into the fire and said, I'm going to make my voice uh, go out there. And, and so that's really... Man, that's super inspirational that you did that. And how could you, if you could parcel that up and put it, give it to someone, of course you can't, but you know, how would you, what would be some practical steps that, that you would maybe give someone like, I mean, we already talked about like the, the positive mindset and, and perseverance and whatnot, but there was something somebody could go out and do uh, and start, they're, they're hearing this and like, maybe they're about to make that, that they're going left, but they really want to go straight. What would you what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say like break it down, just like you said, like parse it out. You'd have to literally do that. And so for me, you know, it was kind of the writing on the wall. Might have started back before 2020. You know, when I when my daughter was born, 2019. Uh, you know, I had a lot of people reaching out saying, "Hey, like you're a dad now. Like you're gonna step back and like you were, you know, you're almost blown up in a shooting, and you've had some close calls. You've had those crazy stories. Like how much is enough?" and like you do a dangerous job in a dangerous area, like you're going to keep doing that. And so for me, like I did have the processing of, you know, asking myself those questions and accepting those inputs and trying to evaluate. But ultimately where my mind kept going was like, I got a kid now and legacy is important in setting the example. Like I think if there's a time to walk away, this is not it, right? Mm -hmm. um, this for me, like I, I, no judgment for those that settle down. They're like, no, this is not right. Because I know those people and I respect the crap out of them. Yeah. But for me, it was like, hey, I got to lean in. And there's an example like, you know, you're talking about uh, recognizing the challenge and leaning in. That was the thing with recruiting. Like I thought 
when I was asked to be the recruiting sergeant of a revamped strategy for my department, I thought like this is a fa- this is a fool's errand. Like this is the impossible quest. So, but it's also the most necessary quest. So I'm going to go down swinging. And could I be the guy? I could be the guy. And mm-hmm. so to look back at that and how I was able to engage my team, like I was just one guy, right? But I was willing to be in the front and be public and be uncomfortable, you know, on social media and on videos that that helped me grow in my own social media for sure. Uh, but just that I was willing to do it. And I was willing to have the conversations as clunky as they may be. And then recognize that I was helpful to my region with recruiting, right? And then I was invited to speak and write upon this topic, you know, nationally, like through Police One, which is a big publication, like really the biggest in our industry as far as news and training content. And so to recognize like, yeah, I'm I'm one dude, you know, with a really good team. Uh, but, you know, luckily I had the right community behind me so I could say some of these things that are really helpful, like strategic and just tips or just mindset. And so yeah. uh, I think, you know, to take that example and to your question, when people break down like what is the thing, you know, where do you align your, I like these three Ps I just heard on uh, Michael Gervais' uh, podcast, Finding Mastery, but, you know, your passion, your purpose, and your performance, like how do you align these things to fulfill your own goals, your own personal mission, and then have it resonate with the other parts of your life, right? Because how that affects your family is absolutely like paramount, right? That That's huge. And at a time that those roads diverge, then you got to reevaluate, right? But there's a way and there's a there's a path and maybe the path's not conventional. Maybe it's not what you imagine, but it's going to be it's going to be rewarding as long as you have those things aligned. Eric, you seem like you, you definitely remind me of an action taker. You're definitely somebody that, you know, moves the needle, right? You do the things because you have that macro, you have that tombstone statement, you have that vision of, you know, and that allows you to, to break through the barriers, to break through the obstacles and the struggles. Our last episode that we shot this morning, early this morning, was on procrastination. Mm. I'm sure that shows up a lot in the people that you're trying to bridge in, in your industry. What are, some, what, are, what are some tips or some tricks on helping them overcome procrastination that you have found that works best? Mm. Well, you know, when you said the prompt, like people in my industry that are procrastinators, I, I find that it's a lot of times people just accepting things the way they are, right? And so change is slow, cultural change is slow, government's slow, <laughs> government's <laughs> bureaucracy, law enforcement's slow. Like we're stubborn. We're stubborn individuals because a lot of times we see some things trend so long, but just to challenge that, right? Like I, I literally have it written on my uh, a sticky note and I need to look at it more right at my desk, but I wrote like, why not? And it's not something I need a constant reminder for, but it's oftentimes recognizing there's so many factors and prongs that we need to apply that to. And, and, you know, it's so subjective. There's some people that probably would call me a change agent or like, you know, like super uber duper, like progressive. I just think I'm a guy that's trying to ask like, Hey, what, is there not a better way to do it? I don't know the answer. I don't know that there is a better way or what that looks like. I, I figure there's gotta be a better way. Cause that's just how life goes and how that's how we make progress by asking, but I'm not like the brain to figure it out. I'm just, maybe I'm the guy just to ask the question, like get the people in the room talking and, and dreaming and like wondering, Um, And then we kind of play it back and figure out, okay, like that was definitely not the way, like, let's pivot, let's go a different direction, right? So a lot of times when you, for me, the people that are procrastinators that I don't even know if they know it, right? So it is trying to ask the question, um, not to paint them in a certain light, right? But like, some of my quote, unquote, bot, like, or not quote, unquote, but like bosses through the years, 
uh, they've seen things play a certain way for so long. And not to make it like a generational thing, but I think it is our our job, just like when I get to that seat or that tenure, if I'm still in law enforcement, they'll absolutely be like, I won't see my blind spots unless the guy or gal like working for me is like, hey, boss, you thought about this? Because they're aware of a world that I won't really perceive, you know, as accurately or as in tempo to like, you know, his or her generation's needs or how they're evolving with the evolving world. And so it is like, again, same team, like we all have a seat at the table or we all have a seat in the rank structure and we all need to lead in every direction to include leading up for sure. So all to say, like, um, again, my long winded answer has to do with just like, do we recognize that we're procrastinating or what? What beliefs, limiting beliefs, are we in? You know, putting into place that are allowing that to happen. And that's super amazing self awareness, man. To know that, like, when you're in that seat in the future, looking back, listening to someone helping you make decisions based off of what's not happened yet. That's just super great forward thinking and a great way to. You're already thinking like that now, like you mentioned earlier. So to think about it like that is just so good. I mean, the people who are going to be underneath you, I'm so. Uh, I feel they're going to be blessed to, to have you as, as their leader. And you said another thing earlier too. You were like, am I just one more voice? You were asking yourself that question. And I'm like, man, uh, there's not enough voices. Like, I think we're about, yeah. I was going to say a, a few million short, but I think we might be a couple billion short uh, before we start turning the tide. You Amen. know, so more, more voices, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And I agree. I agree. Yeah, man. Well, hey, Eric, we uh, really appreciate your time, man. Super grateful for you today. I, uh, man, you're just one of those guys. Like, I feel like I could just listen to, you know. Yeah, me too, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, keep me talking, too, man. man. Yeah. We just ask you a question. You're just a wealth of knowledge, and obviously, the reason you're a wealth of knowledge is because we're just speaking to our younger selves, right? And and uh, we're qualified to do that because we've been through it in, in life experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, man, a couple uh, couple things to leave you with. A couple questions. How can our support, or how can our audience, our our followers, our listeners support you, man? Yeah, absolutely. If you like listening to me ramble on, I know like, uh, you know, my wife would appreciate some help. So maybe she's not to listen to me <laughs> ramble quite so, so much. So yeah, tune in the podcast. Uh, no, follow me. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. So that's Blue Grit Wellness, all one word. Uh, the podcast is on all your major platforms. Please subscribe, download. It's Blue Grit Radio. Um, you'll see a picture of me, an Asian dude in a uniform. I know there's a couple Blue Grit somethings, but um, but I'm active on there. Um just trying to grow that. So share that out. Um, my website's bluegritwellness.com. That's where, you know, the blog started, not nearly as active, but yeah, you can get a hold of me there. My emails on those different, uh, contents, how to get a hold of me and, uh, yeah, love it and share, share what's helpful. Uh, love hearing from you. I think that, you know, you gentlemen would recognize like, or share that sentiment where, where people following along said, Hey, this is this was, you know, a game changer for me. Thank you for having this conversation or thank you for being vulnerable in this way. Like that's super rewarding. So yeah, no, I thank you so much for having me on and sharing your space. Yeah, man, we'll put all those links in the show, in the show notes and uh, on social media when we launch the episode, we'll, we'll, we'll put all those links in there. We'll tag you and uh, people will find you for sure. So second question, what does level up and live mean to you? Uh, leveling up and living is taking inventory of what you have. Right? I think that gratitude, you know, you, you said grateful, you know, for the conversation or a little earlier. And I love that, right? Because it's a lot of people think about leveling up and they think about what they're not happy with, right? Like they're thinking about where they perceive a shortcoming or a failure. You see it around New Year's Eve, you know, all these types of times. But you no, know, like we all have so much to be grateful for. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a, you know, a thousand dollar cell phone device in your pocket, like, 
you have so much opportunity, right? So like recognize what you've done right, what you have going on well, and then build that up, right? So leveling up doesn't mean that you're at a low level. It just means you're, you are where you are and accept that, process that, and then figure out where you want to grow and you're absolutely able to. Man, we, we do a post now where it has the quote from that question and we put it on social media at some other point. I'm like, that's a t-shirt. That's not just a quote, man. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Cool, that was a beautiful answer, man. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thanks again for being on the show, man. And we always end up saying by just Appreciate level up it. and live, man. So we're just really grateful for you, Eric. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Awesome, man. Level up and live. Level up and live, man. And that's a wrap on another amazing episode of the Level Up and Live podcast. A huge thank you to our incredible guest, Commander Eric Tung, for sharing his invaluable experiences and insights with us today. If you found this episode as inspiring as we did, make sure to subscribe so you never miss a future conversation. Leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. We rely on your support to reach more people. Remember, it's the power of our community that keeps us going. Until next time, stay curious and keep the conversations alive. Thank you.